about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Hello and welcome to this week's program. This program is called All In With The Lord. And I hope you're having a good day, a good week. But there are so many things out there that try to divert you as a Christian from having a great day or a great week. And, you know, we want to be the blessed ones. We want to be the ones that are living under the blessing of God. And sometimes you wonder how in the world you'll ever get there. Well, I'm here today to reaffirm and to just remind all of us that Jesus is still Lord, and He is Lord. He defeated Satan in the pit of hell. He gave us the keys to that kingdom and said, Go in my name, cast out devils, you know, and and do all, lay hands on the sick. They will recover. Go in my name. That's what He said to do. Take my name, because my name is now far above every other name that ever will be spoken. Jesus did it all for us. You know, when we go through every day of our life, and if you're anything like me, uh, you battle in your mind different thoughts that seem to be coming in, bombarding you with uh, sometimes the weaknesses in your life, sometimes just trying to tell you not to believe a certain way or that can't be true. And those thoughts are, are just coming at you and you have to deal with them. Now, one way to deal with them, of course, is to just be so busy that you can't even think straight. (laughs) Well, that doesn't accomplish much because in your weak moments, those thoughts will dominate and take over. But the other way to deal with them, as the Bible teaches us, is to cast down all imaginations that are contrary to the Word of God. That means whatever is flying into your brain is not yours. It's not you thinking it yet till you take it. When we take that thought, then we're owning it. We're allowing it to occupy space. Now, every one of us has areas of strength, areas of weakness. And of course, Lucifer, Satan, the god of this world, always tries to attack the weakest parts. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's just smiling. You don't like to smile, or you know it's hard for you to smile, or be happy, or maybe you're mad at God. A lot of people I've found, Satan uses that one on them. If something happens in their life that is not something they're happy about, then they are mad at God, and they get mad at him. It takes a while to get unmad, or unresentful, or they're blaming God. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's no point in blaming the creator of the universe for your situation. He has done everything to get you free from all the evil of this present world. Everything he possibly can. He's begged. He sent his son. He sent his prophets. He has uh, had Jesus die on a cross that all you now have to do is accept the fact that he did it for you. He has gone out of his way to make it easier for each one of us to realize that he has come to be a blessing in our life, not a curse. A blessing. 
Are you blessed or are you under the curse? You know, blessing and cursing. We, we see it going on all around us. There are people who live lives, complete lives, where it seemingly is just they're a victim through their whole life. And by being a victim, it, it's kind of like a victim mentality in the sense that you there's nothing I can do about it. It's just the way it happens to me. Well, that is not how the kingdom of God works. And the neat part about the kingdom of God is you don't have to be rich to use it, but you can be. You don't have to be perfect health to use it, but you can be. <laughs> you don't have to do anything other than understand how the kingdom works to change the circumstances in your life. Well, you don't know, you don't know my situation, Art. Okay, well, there's only a few things it could be. One is home, home life. Okay, maybe your home life isn't what you want it to be. Maybe you have kids that don't listen. Maybe you have a husband that's not cooperative or don't, doesn't really see it your way. Or maybe you as a, uh, as a husband don't have a wife you think that sees it your way. So there's always a battle. That's home. And there's business. Maybe in your business it's very depressive or hard to work. Uh, wherever you go to work. So maybe that's the issue. Let's blame that one. So do we blame home? Do we blame business? Maybe it's your social life. Maybe you don't have one. So let's blame the social. Or is it your thoughts, your mental life? Because that's the one that you can control. And we'll talk about that. Home, business, mental, social, physical. Maybe you're physically out of shape or eat too much or overweight or not weigh enough. Whatever it is, let's blame physical, spiritual. Well, there's one you could blame good. Meg, my church doesn't teach what I need. <laughs> or, you know, uh, my church is not doing what I... They don't go there. You know, I mean, you have choices to make here. Physical, spiritual, financial. You know, I don't have enough money to go around. Or Financially, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So... Home, business, social, mental, physical, spiritual, financial, let's blame one of them. And if nothing else, just go to spiritual and blame God. Now, when you're in the blame stage, and there are only four stages, by the way. I, I talked about this before because you can narrow your life down to four things, four stages. You have the uh, building stage, the time when you're excited about something. I don't, I don't care if it's a new idea, a new person. Maybe you're dating or seeing someone or, or maybe uh, you started a new business or started a new exercise program or whatever. You're in the building stage. So you begin to build. You get excited. You think about what it is. What am I building here? Let's get everything I need. Let's, well, I think one of the biggest things, especially in the physical realm, you know, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, you know, in the past, when I wanted to start a physical program like exercising or something, you go buy a really cool piece of equipment because that's going to make the difference. And then it sits there in the corner and never gets used. And that that's, uh, we just lie to ourselves. If I have that, or if I, could, if I did that, or if I, but the bottom line is we have to do it. Faith without works is dead, right? So building stage. You start a program, or you start a business, or you're dating, or you're newly married, or whatever. You're building, you're bu or a home, building a home. So you have to buy everything for the home. 
You have to build it. It's an exciting time. You're in the building stage. And then over a period of time, regardless of it's whatever area that you're working in, it goes to the management stage. You also have to manage. You have to manage how much money you have to spend on that particular thing or manage your time or manage your own thinking just to make sure that you're disciplined enough to do what you're saying you're going to do. So you're in the building stage and you've got to manage it so you go and keep building. But then what happens is if you don't manage it right, you slip into what we call the defensive stage. Defensive. You start defending why it's not working. Well, I didn't really think by eating this many calories it was going to work for me anyway. My body's different. Oh, I don't really know. My, this business, I thought it was okay, but seems like the economy and everything, the way it's going, is definitely a problem, and I'm probably not going to make it. <clears throat> you begin defending that you have so many reasons why it's not working, but it's not you. Not you. No, it's not you. So don't worry about it being you. You just have to defend the fact that it's not working. And if you do that long enough without going back to the building stage, you're going to slip into what's known as the blame stage, stage four. There's only four, building, management, defensive, and blame. Now you're in the blame stage. Now you're a victim. <laughs> you are the victim. If I was married to another person, oh man, I really screwed up on that one. If I uh, was only in another business, it's got to be the business. Or if we had another president, if we had another this or another that, that's what's wrong. And so in these four areas, the building stage is the most beneficial and management. They work as a team. But when you get in defensive and blame, you are defending and blaming, defending and blaming, defending and blaming. How do you get out of there? Well, God gave us the keys to his kingdom. He gave us the keys to his kingdom. And he said, I'll get you out of there. Just use my word. So that's where we begin today, talking about and talking to any area of your life that you're in the blame stage or you're stuck in defending it because it's just not exactly what you want. Do you know that you can change and have any area of your life changed in a short period of time? Do you know that? Oh, sure, Art. What are you, a magician? No, I'm a believer. <laughs> I am a believer. I am all in with the Word of God. And Jesus said, whenever two or more agree as to touching anything, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. Do you believe it or don't you believe it? See, I think it's time to stop. You can't just pick certain scriptures and then avoid other ones. You know, and sometimes as Christians, we do avoid scriptures because we know it's going to convict us. So today... Let's talk about, first of all, being blessed because if you're hearing this, uh, I believe you're probably in this country, in America, and if you're under that blessing of being in America, you have what's known as tremendous religious freedom, liberty, and justice in most cases. I mean, I know there's a lot of problems right now, but remember, you serve a higher God. We serve a higher God. And as Christians, as born-again believers, we are born out of this world, and we're not to leave it, we're to and not conform to it, but trans be transformed by renewing our minds. Why? So that we can transform the world. 
one of the problems this country is experiencing, and, and you know, you look at the economy now and the decisions that are being made, and it's easy to blame, and rightfully so in some cases, but it's easy to blame people for what's going on. However, as a Christian, do you know you have the prayer rights over this country? Has anybody told you that when two or more agree, it shall be done? Well, where are you in this? Do you believe that? Are we praying for this country? You know, this country is spending over $500 million a year on murder, on babies, murdering babies, abortion. Over $500 million. Okay, well, that's top of the list. How's God supposed to bless, when people say, God bless America? How is he supposed to bless America when the country, the government, is initiating that kind of spending for that? With all the funding, it's over a billion between private donations and everything. So as Americans, that particular project is being funded at over a billion dollars a year. Not to mention the money sent out of the country to help other countries do the very same thing. Second thing is, you know, God's chosen people, Israel, you know, uh, we don't, if we don't stand neck and neck supporting them, then we have strike two against the country. But you say, Art, I'm a Christian. I believe we should support Israel. And I don't believe we should be spending all that money on murder. Well, that may be true. You might believe that. But what are you doing about it? Are you investing time in prayer? Are you in the building stage of knowing that God is going to turn it around? Because God will turn it around. He just needs us, the believers, to be standing strong all across this country as a church, as a body. So when you look out there today, and, I, and, and look, I understand with good reason, we want, we, it's so easy to fall into the trap of blame. Blame, blame, blame. Take the people you're maddest at in the government and put them on the top of your prayer list. And every day, pray blessings over them that God would open their eyes to clearly see and bind the devil from feeding them those wrong thoughts. They just have the same wrong thoughts that you have in other areas, but they've allowed them to take over. And there's some magical thing or mystical thing that happens when people go to Washington anyway. These spiritual, these high-ranking spirits are there to try to get them to be so confused on why they went there in the first place. So we need to pray for that, number one. Number two, your own life. Okay. So in our own life, we need to understand God has given us, each one of us. You, you look around this planet and you see how many human bodies do you see everywhere you look. Now, the human body is the most magnificent design and creation that ever was. If you take the greatest miracles of God, of the Creator, the, making the human body do what it does is just absolutely, insanely wonderful. You cannot make another human body. Oh, they're trying. They're trying to make robots. They're trying to AI, you know, artificial intelligence, and we're going to make skin-like material. But inside the robots are all these gears and mechanisms and things that make the robot appear real, but it's not a human body. 
And I think from the very beginning, uh, man has said, how do, I, how do I find the secret of eternal life? That has been the big thing. Well, it's really simple. <laughs> you can accept Jesus as Lord and be given eternal life with him. Yes, when we step out of this earth suit, temporarily, we will step into a spiritual body that is even more sharper and better than the one you ever had on earth. And then the Bible tells us at a point in time when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ first will get their glorified bodies, another human body glorified. And then we who are still alive are going to be met, meet up with them in the clouds. We're going to get our glorified bodies. You're going to get another earth suit that's going to be glorified in the sense that it could never, ever die. So the most magnificent gift that God could ever have given you to start with is this earth suit, is the human body. It's, it's phenomenal. So then what happens is the earth suit wears out. You're going to need another one, but we don't. I, so for me, you know, the people who are blaming God, the one who created the earth suit to begin with, the one who wanted it and wants it to be eternal, that it keeps fixing itself, fixing itself, recharging itself, you know, renewing itself and never dies. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And yet people get mad at God. And when an earth suit fails, we think that's it. Somebody pulled the plug. It's over. I'm mad at God. And uh, that isn't the case because God has preserved our spirit, our mind, our soul, our memories. He's preserved it just as if you, a human would if he was trying to take your who you are because that body was worn out and place who you are in another newer body. That's something that science fiction has been trying to do for a long time. Yet God does it every day. When people leave this planet, and get, by the way, you know there's only one way to leave the planet, right, at this moment. You're not going to get in a spaceship and go to heaven. You're, you can go to Mars, you can go to somewhere in the solar system, but what you're going to do is you're going to leave this earth suit at some point and be in a place that we call heaven, whereas, which is where God originated everything that we have. You know, it gets easier, I think, for all of us to think about and believe uh, what it might be like in heaven versus on earth as we see more of these AIs and more of these video games and now this meta thing that's coming down the road where you're going to put on a visor and you're going to think and feel as if you're there. Well, you know, you know, I've heard it said from people that have had the experience that when you're in heaven, there are portals in heaven where you can go. When someone who is in your family is having a, a big experience and you can not put on a visor, but it's the portal. Just being there is as if you're there. Now, we can't see them, but it's as if they're here. And God's system is so... So it's so far above. I mean, everything we have here is a shadow or a cheap duplicate of what God has already created to make us happy. And so his very intent from the beginning is for us to be happy and healthy. That's why he created Adam and he made Eve for Adam. He knew 
he knew they needed each other, but he, he knew Adam needed to not be alone. He understood that. God created that. So when Lucifer came in with a, another, um, for the purposes of making this simple, we, he came in with another operating system, is what he did. Like, we're in an environment that had an operating system prior to Lucifer coming that was run by God. It was totally controlled by God, and only good things could happen. But once the once Adam and Eve bought into the other operating system, so to speak, of Lucifer, it changed the whole dynamic of what was going on. So we have to correct this operating system in our own lives. Each one of us has to reboot, so to speak. Well, <clears throat> but in order to <clears throat> reboot, if you shut the the body down entirely, of course it dies. You can't restart it again. So the only way that God could salvage all of us was to make us born again. But how we got there was just a choice, not shutting down the whole earth suit. So we made a choice to accept Jesus and what he did. And then amazingly within us, God's system went to work to start to uproot all the old things we believed and replace them with God's word. And then he went through all the, all the trouble and years of getting the Bible written, getting his word brought into the earth so that you and I could take his word and use it and reprogram ourselves. Isn't that cool? To change our own operating system. That's what you're doing. Don't be conformed, be transformed. So what we're really doing is changing the operating system that we use every day to think, imagine, blah, 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 and on and on and on. Let me read one scripture here before I run out of time on the first segment, okay? And and Genesis 12, 3. This is in the beginning, Genesis 12, 3. This is the New International Version. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now there is the real message that God has for you and I today. You are to be blessed. I'm going to read it again. I will bless those who bless you. Now, as a born-again Christian, those that bless you, that take care of you, that, that give you things, that help you, that love you, God will bless. He will bless them. Now, those who curse you, especially because you're a child of God. Don't worry about them. God's got your back. He's going to curse them, curse all the peoples of the earth, and then all the peoples of the earth will be blessed because you're there. Now, how's that going to happen? That can only happen if you receive the blessing yourself. How does that, what do you mean, Art? Well, first of all, if you're very healthy, you're able to help a lot of people. So people get blessed because you're healthy, because you're available to do things and help them. Now, if you have a lot of money because you're blessed, then you should be a blessing to others by giving that money and helping when you see people in need. And don't ever say no. Just say not yet. Like if somebody comes to you and needs help paying for something or getting food and you have the money, give it to them. We are to be a blessing. And guess what? God will restore it to you. 
pressed down, shaken together, and flowing over, it will come back. Don't say no. If somebody asks you for something really large and you can't do it, don't say no. Just say, not yet. Let me pray with you to get that, and I will go on your behalf to get it for you, because you might be too weak or too tired or not a believer enough, but I will demonstrate for you how I'm blessed with the Father who takes care of all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'm going to be that blessing, and I'm going to help you. So when we see our brothers naked, we're supposed to clothe them. When we see our brothers and sisters in need or hungry, we're supposed to feed them. You say, I don't have enough. Get more. Be a bona fide Christian. Receive. Go get more. Don't be the victim. Be the blessing. Be the blessing. Be the victim. Be the blessing. Man, I didn't even get started on what I want to talk about yet today. And we're about to go to break. And then we're going to come back and emphasize again how much we have in Christ. That you need to live in the building stage with Christ and manage the keys to the kingdom, what he's given us, and build, advantage, and build. Don't defend. Don't blame. Get out of it. You're not a victim. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. You're made in his image and likeness. For gosh sakes, act it and demonstrate it. We will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. It's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7.14 WFYL reminds you to pray for America. It's about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time. And we're back. And uh, I just want to say that um, we're talking about, as always, getting closer in the Lord and understanding who we are. I think the biggest challenge we all have is not understanding fully who we are in Christ. It's your self-image. It's the multiplying factor. I mean, God can give you all the weapons that you need, but if you don't know how to use them or you don't feel, or you feel inferior, you do not feel like you're worthy enough to use them. It's kind of like somebody putting, somebody putting a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a, uh, uh, army tank in your front yard for you to use if somebody uh, comes at you and you and, and so somebody comes to attack you but you never get in the tank because I don't feel like I'm worthy to use it 
And, and that's kind of like where we all are in Christ sometimes, because Jesus gave us such weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And God meant that. You can pull down anything, and I, I don't care what your situation is. Wherever you are right now, however you are hurting, I want to tell you that God not only wants to turn it around, He can and will turn it around, but He needs your help. And you're only 90 days away from seeing the evidence of that once you begin. But you got to do it. Faith without works, Bible tells us, is absolutely dead. That means if you don't actually do some of the work involved here to believe, you're just kidding yourself. You know, Jesus could have said, well, I know what it's like if I go to the cross, but I don't really think I'm going to do it. Faith without works is dead. I know God will get me through the cross, and I know he'll raise me from the dead, so I already know that. So why do I have to go through it? Faith without works is dead. We all have to change. So, in, in saying that, let's read from Ephesians here. Um, Ephesians 1. Uh, verse 3 and 4. This is the New King James Version. Blessed be the God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, I'm going to read that again, because this is a very powerful scripture. First of all, you were chosen. You say, how can that be, Art? Look, I don't know all the answers here. I just know that if God's word says it, it's true. And he chose us before he made the earth. Now, he chose you and I before he made the earth. So he made the earth for us. So he chose us. Okay, so let me read it again. And you should go read this. Ephesians 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Who has blessed us with every spiritual Blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What does that mean? He has given us every blessing that is due to the Christ. When I say the Christ, the Christ, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. So every blessing that Jesus earned, he has blessed you and I with. Then he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, we, he's not blaming us. He's made us blameless. We, he's not placing blame on you for the sin or anything that you've done wrong in your life, even now when you fall short. One of the things I keep 
repeating in my own mind is something I've, the Holy Spirit told me years ago. He said, Art, you never were more than you are, even when you thought you were. How often do you put yourself down because you know you're just not living the way you should, or you're not living up to the expectations of what you think God has placed on you? And yet God is saying, in him, before the foundation of the earth, he made you blameless. And he put you here, not ever to blame you for anything you've done wrong, but to take away the blame. And he did that through Jesus, who absorbed it, who paid the price for your and my sin. So he paid that. He did. It's taken care of. We're blameless. Now, we do have to acknowledge when we're wrong, but that's all we have to do. You know, when you judge yourself, you won't be judged. It's such a fun thing to do when you can acknowledge and say to yourself, you know, I'm wrong. That was wrong. I I find myself doing that a lot. A lot more than I thought. Because I see things after the fact. I should have did that different. I should have did this, not that. Okay, I was wrong. Thank you, Lord. Help me the next time. And that's a process of growing. So that now, see, instead of being stuck in the blame or victim stage, you're back in the building stage. Thank you, Lord. I see it now. I was wrong. And I want to do it differently. Now you're back in building and management. Building and management. Not defending and not blame. Well, I did that because I was so tired and I was this and I was... Don't make excuses. Just own it. Whatever you did, you did. And whenever you do it, you do it. And you judge yourself. And the Bible says, once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord... When you judge yourself, you will not be judged. But when you judge others with the same measure that you use, you will be judged. So there is a fine line there. You don't want to go around getting yourself blameless, reminding yourself you're blameless, and then go around and blame everybody else. Because in blaming them, you will be judged with the same measure that you use. See, we don't want to be in the judgment business for others. We only want to be in the judgment business for ourselves and plead the blood over our lives and just move on. Back to building. Back to building and management. Building and management. And that's what we do. So, that's what God is telling us, that we are blessed in Christ. And all the blessings that he's given to Christ are ours. We are anointed with the same anointing that was on Christ Jesus because we accepted Christ and we're in Christ. And he's seated at God's right hand. Amazing. So here we are. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable 
and perfect will of God. Okay, how many times have you heard someone praying for the will of God? Thy will be done. Oh, God's will be done. Oh, if it's God's will, I'll be there. If it's God's will, <laughs> how do you prove God's will? That's what he's saying right here. Do not be conformed. You're going to have to find the Word of God and transform your mind, and then you'll prove God's will. God's will is His Word. When you write your last will and testament, you write words on paper that are notarized and authenticated, and those words become law for your benefactors. They have to abide by what you wrote. They cannot be conformed to their own thinking on that will. Well, I think he meant this, or I think they meant that. No, they have to abide by what was written. And he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how do you prove the will of God? You transform your mind with His Word, His last will and testament, the new covenant. Go and love one another as He has loved us. We are to live according to His will. His will is done in those who allow it to work in them. God is not here to say, let this person suffer and that person not suffer. We contribute so much to that, and then we want to blame God. You uh, Do not get in the blame stage. It will never, ever result in anything that you want. It won't. It'll only take more away from you. Matthew 13, 31. How does God work in our lives? It's a seed. Everything's a seed. The power of a seed. Do you know what the power of a seed is? The power of a seed. You take one little seed and you plant that seed. What's the power of one seed? How many times... How many more seeds will come out of that one seed? Well, let's read Matthew 13, 31. The parable of the mustard seed. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Now, when you sow that little bitty seed in the field, it's a little bitty seed. But it grows up into a huge tree where you can rest under it, shadow under it, you can relax, and it's one little seed. How do you transform your life? With a seed. The seed of God's Word. Or, how about this one? You are God's seed. You say, I don't like where I work because they aren't Christian. You're the seed. God planted you there, transforming you. You will transform them. 
You are the seed. So wherever you're planted right now, whether it's in a marriage that you don't particularly like, or if it's in a church that isn't doing what you want, or a business where you work, or so, or a club, or anything. See, I don't know why I'm here, because they don't believe, they don't have the same belief system I do. Okay, that may be true, and maybe you need to leave at some point, but you're a seed. You're God's seed. You should be the reason they all change. That's right. You're the seed. And especially if the Lord's in you, you're transforming you. Therefore, you're the seed God's using to transform them. And each one of us is a seed. And what we need to do is realize that everything in this earth works by seed. Everything you say and believe from your heart is a seed to your future. How do I know that? Well, let me read to you something else from God's Word. First, I want to give you a, a, a story here. Um, because a lot of people plant seeds that are false. Uh, when you fear something, you tend to speak as though it is true. It's called false evidence, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. But you say it as though you mean it, like, yeah, that doctor told me I was going to die and I'm going to. My father did, my mother did. So you begin to speak words that are false, evidence appearing. Why are they false? You say, well, the doctor told me that. Well, that may be true, and we love them for that, that they do their job. But God's Word can turn it around. God's Word supersedes anyone else's words. If you speak it and believe it, there's the faith without works part. If you don't speak it and believe it, you're not doing the work of faith. You're simply allowing the world to dictate what's about to happen. So what happened to, uh, 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 back in, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph, this was when uh, the brothers of Joseph uh, were jealous of him and they threw him into a pit and then they decided to sell him off as a slave. God replanted him as a seed somewhere else in Egypt. So it says here, when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethany's Mount of Olives. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong. I'm, I'm reading the wrong thing here. This is Joseph. So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid, a goat, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic with many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, "Look, we found this. Do you, do you know whether it's your son's tunic or not?" And he recognized it and said, "It's my son's tunic." A wild beast has devoured him, without a doubt. Joseph is torn in pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth on his waist, mourned his son for many days. And all the sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He said, And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. 
Now, when he said that about going down to the grave, he was saying things that are false because Joseph wasn't dead. The brothers made it appear that way. So they brought him false evidence that to him appeared real. So he thought he lost his son, and he was very upset. But yet Joseph wasn't dead. He was simply sold off as a slave and as a seed replanted in Egypt, where he became the ruler over Egypt, and later was reunited with his family as he took care of them when they needed to be fed. So we are the seed, and that's very important to remember. So when we say things, God wants to supply all of our needs. A good example of that is uh, Matthew uh, 21, uh, verse 1 to 3 here. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, Bethpage at Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied to a colt uh, with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. So again, he's telling his disciples, if anybody says anything, go get that for me. They will react, respond to what you say. You're saying the Lord has need of them. And those words are seeds that will cause the rest of the thing to just take place. And it did. So our words become the real value of what we're doing here. We have to understand the kingdom of God is within us. We are not victims. You're not a victim if you're not making enough money. If you got cheated in the last couple of years because of COVID or anything else, if you lost things, claim them back, take God's word, plant the seed, believe, and it will change. It will come back. And the Bible tells us if you catch a thief stealing from you, they have to rebring it back sevenfold. So not only do you get back what was stolen, but you get it seven times back. Do you know that? That's God's word. So we have to begin to exercise faith and do exactly what God would want us to do. Um, in Numbers 13.30, this, ha this has to do with some of the people. God said, go, get, go into the promised land and take, take, take it. And half the people said, no, there's giants there, we'll be killed. They said it. And then, of course, Caleb came back and quieted uh, the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession, for we are all able to overcome it. So you had the ones that were saying they're going to overcome, <clears throat> and you had the ones blaming and saying, why would God send us to our death there? They're all giants. They're going to kill us. You can't walk into a situation speaking words of defeat and expect God to honor it. It's word activated. Kingdom is word activated. And we have to, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, because he speaks it out of his mouth. You have to speak what God's asking you to do. Take God's word, put it in. And in Numbers 14.28, after when once these people said, you know, let's go in and overcome it. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, 
I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Wow. As assuredly as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. So God is taking each and every word that comes out of your mouth and giving you what you say. That is how seed time and harvest works. That's how the kingdom works. The kingdom of God is this as is if a man went out to sow seed. Mark 4.11. Go to Mark 4.11. And some by the wayside, some in the thorns, some, you know, uh, just, but the good ground. Look at the good ground. Plant seed on good ground. Your heart is the ground. Is it good? Is it receiving God's word? Are you transforming yourself? If you're transforming yourself and not conforming, then your heart, your ground is fertile and the seed will grow. It will grow. And you don't know how. You go to sleep, you get up. You go to sleep, it's growing. But your seed time and harvest is taking God's word, sowing it out of your mouth, saying it, but believing it and knowing it and expecting it and saying it and believing it and knowing it until it comes to pass. And that is the kingdom of God. That's how it works. Now here in Proverbs 18.21, New King James Version, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And to those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. So you will eat the fruit of your tongue. That's what it's saying. What you speak, you will bear fruit of that which you say. And are you continually saying, I'm in a bad place? Um, I, I don't know what else to say to you other than change. Change. Stop it. Stop what you're saying if it's not to your advantage in God's Word. Use God's Word. Transform yourself. Now here in Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 19, New King James Version, I, this is God, I call heaven and earth to witness today. Heaven and earth, you're a witness today. Against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. Wow. I'm going to read it again. Deuteronomy 30.19 I call heaven and earth as a witness. This is God saying, I call everybody as a witness against you today. Don't blame anybody but you, that I have set before you, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you, you choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. If you don't choose life, 
Don't blame God. You know, I was watching on TV not too long ago, they have these things we're talking a lot about aliens these days. And I do believe we're going to see the day when, well, they're going to try to bring to pass the aliens are here. They're already trying to do that. And those aliens, of course, I believe, have to do with the third of the angels that were kicked out of heaven and are trapped on this earth. And as we think about all the different aspects of that, I heard people like Jim Shatner and everyone else not sure if there's a creator. Somehow, the DNA of man was shot into the atmosphere of earth, and it caused man to become man. Come me a break. You know, I, I mean... <clears throat> Do you ever, and, and we started with this, we're going to end with this. The human body is the most fascinating, complex creation that ever, ever truly has been created. And you live inside of this earth suit. You live in there. And God gave it to you as a gift. And here are intelligent men, supposedly, who think that somehow another alien form created us. Yes, I guess you could call God an alien, but call him God, the creator of the universe. The universe continues to expand at the rate of 186,000 miles per second. Why can't you accept the fact that there is a creator, a God? He didn't shoot the string of DNA into the earth. He came here and formed man in his image and likeness. And you're one of them. And you are made in the image and likeness of the Most High God. And today, you and I have a chance to be the seed that God planted to transform the world. Will you do it? Take up your place in history and be the born-again Christian God sent you to be. We're out of time again. I appreciate the fact that I have a chance to talk about God's Word every week on this station. And we love the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Praise the Lord. Have a great week and infect someone with the name of Jesus. See you next week. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time.